0: In the most divisive of times, the great debates rage on. Who was the best Batman? Was the book truly better than the movie? Did Han shoot first? Nerds with opinions will seek to answer life's greatest questions. Hello there, fellow nerds. You are listening to Nerds with Opinions, episode number 84. As always, I'm your host, Matt Holman. Today on the podcast, I am joined by returning guests, Amanda Murphy and Rachel Harzog, And it's a double dose of fright as we review Fright Night, the one from the 80s, not the remake from the 2000s, and The Frighteners, a lesser known Peter Jackson film pre-Lord of the Rings starring Michael J. Fox. Quick little disclaimer, note on an audio issue in this episode. Rachel's audio specifically is pretty rough at times. Uh, There was some mic issues and we had to go with the mic on on her webcam. And it picks up a lot of background noise and sounds a little rough. I apologize for that. I did everything I could do about it. but Just a quick little, little disclaimer, just so you're not really taken aback when you listen to it. So, all that and a little bit more Fright Night and the Frighteners, today on Nerds of Opinions. Well, let's go ahead and get right into it. I am joined by returning guests, Amanda Murphy. Hello. And Rachel Herzog.
1: Hello.
0: And we are... Discussing, funny enough, two movies that have uh, the word "frighten" in them. We're talking about *Fright Night*, the '80s vampire classic, and the—I'm going to just go ahead and say it—I I think like really underrated, uh, lesser-known Peter Jackson film, *The Frighteners*, with uh, starring Michael J. Fox. And uh, so this was another movie night uh, that we we uh, all were. Uh, watching in the the backyard. And actually, Frighteners wasn't on the docket. Um, In Insidious, uh, uh, we were going to watch that or the others, and Insidious was no longer available on Netflix. So I scrambled, threw Frighteners in there. Everybody was like, Peter Jackson, 1990s horror movie? Sign me up. (laughs) And so we watched that. But let's go ahead and uh, first talk about uh, Fright Night. Now, I I can't really remember. Had either of you seen Fright Night before?
1: No, no, and I purposely didn't look into what kind of movie it was because I wanted to be sort of oh. pleasantly surprised. Um, so you just said Fright Night. I saw the the poster from what you posted online, and,
0: and that the poster was it. isn't a total giveaway that it's vampires. No. it could be ghosty. It could be. Just I a monster. I, did,
2: I thought it was
1: like a poltergeist kind of thing from yeah. the poster.
2: So sure, yeah. Yeah. I had never heard of it before. Um, I actually had no idea because I haven't been following the Facebook events. I had no idea what the movies were for that night. You're, going you're into just it.
0: going into it cold. All right. Yeah.
2: And so I had not only like, and I I'd heard somebody mention fright night being the movie, but I, I had no preconceived notions whatsoever going into it.
0: All right. Um, okay, cool. So, Low, low expectations. So it seemed like everybody really got a kick out of this. It was my kind of general vibe because it it definitely has, it checks all the boxes of a 1980s horror, almost horror comedy, I would say. Yeah. Um, so just kind of one by one, just give me kind of your your thoughts of, of, the, of the film as a whole. So I think everybody seemed pleasantly surprised.
2: Yes, uh definitely, yeah, definitely. We, yeah. Um I really enjoyed the I really enjoyed the movie like it it kind of gave me um and like once it, it became more prominent that it was a uh, a vampire movie, like it kind of gave me feels of like um Dracula and Lost Boys kind of merged into this like one like weird kind I- of bizarre all crazy gory deaths and like all the vampires had like these crazy weird um death scenes that were just like really entertaining to watch but also like way over the top (laughs) um and so like it kind of gave me that like classic y vibe with those like weird like 80s uh extremities for for uh, horror
1: sure yeah, it was um, it was self aware, which always makes it
2: funnier for me.
1: Um, they <laughs> comment at one point how nobody likes dra- uh, like old school horror movies anymore because everybody's into uh, what did they say uh, like slasher flicks, like kids stupid kids going to camp and getting killed. Mm-hmm. And they they say that in the beginning of it, and then. Um, they definitely bring in the like the young guy who thinks he sees something troubling. So then he brings in the older gentleman who has experience. So that's the Van Helsing character. And then the young protagonist has trouble with his girlfriend getting uh, uh, seduced by the vampire. And then they eventually have to rescue her. It's all very Dracula plotline. But, uh, but yeah, the main um, vampire um, was definitely... Uh, Intriguing and charismatic And it helps that uh, he's attractive And um, Yeah, Humperdinck, man Never seen him in anything else right. Other than <laughs> Princess Bride So when he showed up, and I was like, ooh, I know him Oh no, he's gonna do some very bad things Through the course of this movie, I'm sure um, But yeah, it was uh, definitely Very enjoyable And I I liked that quality of it Knowing That It uh, knowing that they knew that vampire movies were kind of old school and then trying to put a newer spin on it was uh, really fun to watch.
0: Yeah, I, and I agree with with what you both said, that it did feel very self-aware in that regard, that it was kind of modernizing the the classic sort of Count Dracula type of character um, and, and very much putting it in, you know, if, if you took... Bill Lugosi out of, you know, 1931 Dracula and then plopped him in, you know, 84 or 85 or whatever this was. Um, I should pull that up just so we know. Um, but it, it definitely, it, it felt like that. And I, the thing that I was really struck me was that it had the 1985, um, it had the look and the feel and the aesthetic that I love from 1980, 1980s movies, just period, but especially yeah. like 1980s horror. it There's just something, it's, I don't know, I, I can't even necessarily fully put my finger on like the exact like terminology to describe that, but it's, you just know it, you know, you, you know that like that look and that feel of a 1980s movie and- and this had it. And I think and I mean that in the best way possible. Uh, I was also struck with the fact that it wasn't as low budge or cheesy as I was expecting it. Like it had some it had some 80s cheese for sure. But I thought it was like a very solid film. I was expecting it to be a little more silly and ridiculous. And and like Murphy was saying, like it, it was over the top in in some regards but nothing that felt out of place for 1985, for, for me anyways, like I, I wasn't like, oh my gosh, this movie is ridiculous. Like it was, it was fun kind of over the top, but it, I, I thought it was a, just a real solid, like, you know, movie front to back in terms of writing and, and, uh, you know, all that stuff.
2: Yeah, yeah. It, it had a mm-hmm. good, um, like solid, cohesive storyline and everything and character development and um, all those good things. And, uh, yeah, the, the over the top stuff really, I think just kind of added to the like weird dark humor of it all. Um, so like, you know, it, it, it added to the, the kind of horror, but aspect as well as just like kind of making it more of a humorous horror than, than like, uh, you know, a shaking in your boots horror.
1: I really liked the tension that they were able to cultivate when they had that scene where they were bringing in the older vampire hunter, that does his work on TV, so he knows Ooh, yeah, all the Yeah, he's tropes. like a yeah.
0: public access TV host. Yeah, uh
1: huh. So they bring him in, and um, like the the people who live in the house know that what he's trying to do and how to beat his test. And he doesn't think it's all real. And you can just see everybody's emotions very clearly. But there's like a ton of people in the room, but it reads really tense, and you don't know what they're going to discover or if they're going to find out anything, or if people are just going to die at any minute. Because yeah, it's that was really for how funny that was, it was still very, um, a very tense scene and they just played that really well. Um, I, yeah, I surprisingly enjoyed this movie. It was, um, I I also liked that. I know this is probably a a trope that people have played up more and more, but none of my windows in my house look exactly onto my neighbor's windows, but it seems like it's always like a, uh, a teen flick thing that, that you look out your bedroom window And you see somebody else's bedroom window mm-hmm. That used to be much more of a thing And they use that so well To create suspense in this is like who's gonna be next door looking at you Or what am I gonna see or if he's not in his house Does that mean he's in my house And ooh spooky Yeah it was, it was really well done While still being very tongue in
0: cheek Right it, it does that Like the plot is really really Simple but I think it's it's it it's in a way that is just very, very sound, you know, where it's it's just so simple as, you know, unsuspecting kid. A vampire moves in and is now his neighbor. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's the only one that really like fully realizes that this is actually a vampire. Um, so like you were saying, Rachel, the the window using that as as a narrative device to be able to kind of for, you know, the, the lead actor to kind of see the, the going ons of, you know, of the vampire and, and of his, uh, familiar, which side, side, side thing, the familiar I think was one of my like more favorite representations of a familiar in like a vampire narrative, Mm -hmm. because a lot of times like the, the familiar is subservient to a vampire almost to like a, a a very tropey way where it's like almost, you know, glorified slavery right. where this dude, like he seemed just as like powerful and nefarious in his own right as the vampire, which I thought was interesting because it's, I I can't really necessarily think of, of a take on, on the, the familiar. That's quite like that. And I don't, I mean, maybe either one of you can but i i I really can't usually it's it's very much a um the power hierarchy is very very different so this felt a little, little more on par
2: yeah their relationship seemed a lot more like mutual respect kind of thing and and like um i need you and you need me and and we're in this together rather than like a than like a yeah you you're here to to serve me and and um and be underneath me as far as yeah that hierarchy goes it, it definitely felt more like a cohesive it felt, relationship
0: it felt like a like a business partnership almost you know like it was very amicable um, yes.
1: but that was also kind of like best friends and you know. I, I, I'll take care of you while you're sleeping and then you know we'll hang out when you're awake at night and that Renfield right. character is usually much more um absolutely batshit insane than oh, yeah. uh than yeah. just like a, a person who is making their choices and uh, living their life and it happens to be that the person they're living with is a vampire yeah there's even like they were close enough that that um there's that line in the beginning where the mom says that two guys moved in next door and she's worried that they're gay. So she can't date either of them because that mom is like constantly on the prowl. Um, So they, they have that little, like, this is what that relationship looks like to other people. So they, they, but yeah, you're right. He has a lot of um, agency. Yeah. I don't know if I'm using that word right, but yeah, he's, he's um, very capable. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I wanted to talk about, you know, I kind of mentioned the the aesthetic of this film. Uh, I remember while we were watching it that everybody seemed very enamored with the practical effects. It has, you know, that 1980s classic makeup and visual effects, and it has it in absolute like just bushels like they, they do some <laughs> crazy, 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 crazy stuff in this that it just looks really, really good. None of it was like, oh, gosh, that looks so shitty. Um, yeah. And, you know, you hear it with that kind of like that kind of uh, practical effects and and makeup in during this time period. And I think a lot of people would think of like uh, a great example would be Amer- an American werewolf in London. Um, And I think that just goes to show that this movie is a total sleeper because. I've never heard about this in the conversation of like, just, you know, Oh my gosh, you don't want to talk about it in a movie with amazing, you know, practical effects. I, I don't, I've never really heard a whole lot about Fright Night before. Um, so I was really struck with that. You guys want to talk about that for a bit?
2: Yeah. I really liked the, um, like the, the thing that always that stuck out to me the most too, was that integration of the, like they've got that one scene where one of the vampires dies and, or, it's, like, they, they mix, like, the werewolf form and the vampire form together.
0: Right, um, which, quick sidebar, they they do some pretty hardcore exploration into vampire lore that isn't in every vampire narrative where, like, a vampire can turn into not only a bat, but a wolf and, and, other, right. and other animals. So, yeah. Yeah, so
2: that, that cool, like, that cool mixture of, of lores and stuff that they're putting together and, and showing it in that manner. Like, they, they do, like, the the effects that they do even even with the ones that are like a little like over the top um uh with the way that like they kind of like explode into this goopy gross mess um (laughs) they uh (laughs) like like even with that kind of stuff like it's like the transformation that they're going through is is really well done um and like they don't it's not distracting like it, it feels like it's a like a a great addition to, um, to the feel of the movie. And again, I think it has to do with that kind of like eighties vibe that you're talking about as well. You know,
0: I'm going to just, just, uh, no, 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 it's, it's, it's great. I was going to, I'm going to do a share screen here because this, this is the one that really just uh, stuck out to me. (laughs) Like that is so wild. Like what they must have in her mouth to like it, that's just nutty. Um yeah, how I did see, they do that? I have no idea. Anyways, so for for, ah. for the the listeners, so, you know, obviously with this we're on a you know audio medium. Um if you are if you haven't watched this movie and you're listening to this, you're getting it spoiled for you, but it's you know. Um but there's the uh the character of I'm gonna take get rid of my my screen share. The character of I got a well, right in now. Dracula, her
1: name's Mina, but
0: see
1: the female leads,
0: right? I don't think it's any. Uh, yeah. Hold on. Come on. There we go. Um. So Amy is the character's <laughs> name. So, yeah. So she eventually gets turned and basically then, and I love that this was, you know, uh, looped back to the, the poster art, like you mentioned, Rachel that that's her she's she's on the poster art and they mix it in with that kind of mist fog that um that uh the jerry character the vampire he like that he can basically like conjure or kind of become you know he can Mm -hmm. become like a vapor um but i just want that was like one of the applications of makeup that really struck me that was just super stunning and like obviously you know it's just like crazy prosthetics and makeup, and then, you know, they threw in some contacts and everything. But this was, like, when makeup was still, like, pretty... I don't want to say archaic, but, you know, like, guaranteed those contacts were probably hard glass contacts. So, like... And whatever was going on with her mouth to make it, like, gape open. Um, yeah. Yeah, like, they did—they did, they just did some really cool, interesting things. Uh, I want to talk about the Charlie character. He's our protagonist. And I loved that character because he, his, his whole world felt very lived in. Like, he's just kind of like, (laughs) like a horny teenager. And, and, but then he acts very, very innocent and, and naive and young um, in his, you know, discovery of that, the fact that he's living next to a vampire. And it just, everything about him felt very real, organic, natural, and relatable. Like, that seems like the reaction that a lot of kids would have, especially a, a kid in 1985. What do you guys yeah, think I, about Char- Charlie?
2: He did seem like a very uh, genuine character. Um, I agree that, like, it kind of, like Rachel mentioned earlier, that kind of, like, you um, uh, you know, Girl Next Door vibe as far as, like, the, the like, classic teen movies, walk, looking out your window, to the window across the street kind of thing, like... Right. And then that curiosity that just kind of spikes when you're like, wait, what I'm seeing does not, like, make sense here. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, I mean, like, when you're that age, you're, like, willing to look into most things, you know? Um, and so, yeah, he definitely felt like, like, your average teenage boy that's just kind of, like... I don't know what's going on here but I'm really I really want to figure it out um right. and then like the way he kind of dra- tries to drag his friends into it and they're like having none of it they're like no you're crazy I don't know what you're talking about like <laughs> the bears don't exist dude um yeah like it felt very uh spot on for for character interact for char- character developments and interactions yeah okay, i didn't i didn't question any of his decisions like i didn't say well you know nobody's gonna
1: do that it's like no, oh, you're freaked out you're gonna go to your friends you're gonna go to the cops you're gonna keep your mom out of it you're gonna uh make sure that you go to somebody of an authority that you think that can help um yeah even before the action of the movie started like they zoomed through his room i'm like oh he's the he's the kid that's like into that's horror so movies And like Kind of like Old school yeah, weird shit understand. Okay cool I know exactly Who we're talking about
2: Right Right. Yes
1: Yeah I mean I was I was a different Brand of weird kid But yes I'm totally Familiar with that aesthetic Yes got it Okay He felt like A very real person So I Understood all of his uh, His Motivations I didn't do anything Yeah Even though it was like Dude I don't think That's gonna work But I get why You would try that Okay cool
0: And Amanda, I liked your comparison to Lost Boys because this has a Lost Boys feel in terms of, you know, you have like the small group of friends that kind of get together for what feels very adventurous, you know, and to try to like take these these vampires down. And he he feels like. He reminds me a lot of uh you know a few years older version of Corey Hames character in in Lost Boy, where he's very, he's very ambitious and like, we have to do it for the for the community, you know. Like we the whole the whole city's gonna be taken over if we don't stop, you know, stop him, you know. And 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 I I, I like that. He's got a lot of like gusto. Let's talk about between oh, that
2: and then the way that the vampires die, because like with the Lost Boys, they have all the like weird, crazy ways that they that they die with, uh, you know, the various ways that they trap them and stuff. Like for it just for immediately, I was like, that was the first thing that came to
0: my mind. No, that's a great comparison. Um, for yeah, sure. this you know, movie, this movie
1: did not skimp well on the buckets so. of green goop. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like I really, really liked how much like it. It looked like a Nickelodeon's Kids Choice Award for a lot of this, and I was totally down for it.
0: So we talked a bit about, uh, the Jerry character the you know, the, the lead vampire. Um, and we talked a bit about like, you know, that it's character actor, Chris Sarandon. Uh, but I I thought he was amazing in this because he's very charming and Mm -hmm. when he needs to be unimposing, but then he has, he, yeah, like if uh, like I think the comparison I made of like that if you if if Bella Lugosi was an American and you dropped him in you know 1985, it it felt like that like he has the the gravitas and the swagger of that that a vampire needs, but then he he felt very much like oh he's just you know the the handsome guy next door uh, you know I, yeah the I, kind I, of like
2: affluent handsome guy next door that moved in like you know he's He's just kind of, uh, he's got his own things going on. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, he's and of, I, he was very sly about, about the, the, the his vampire
0: side. Right. And he doesn't, he also doesn't feel over the top. Like, I'm, I'm really glad that they, you know, that if they're going to set this movie in suburban America, I'm so glad that like, this guy's just like super just normal, like upper middle class white American male, you know, like there's, it almost would have felt a little too heavy handed. It's like, Ooh, mysterious European man moves next door. (laughs) You know, it's, I, I, it, you know, I, I, I just like that it, it made him almost feel, you know, less mysterious and kind of an over the top way. I think that would have been a little much.
2: Yeah. Well, and it made it, it made it easier to like, be in the same head spot as like uh, the main characters friends were in when they were like, you know, like, no, you're crazy. What are you talking about? There's no vampire next door because like, yeah, from, if you're just, you know, viewing him on walking around on the sh- you know walking down the street or whatever, like it's just like oh no, that's just like the normal guy who moved it's, in. It's um, just that Jerry. Kind of feeds into that kind of hysteria of like no, but I swear he's a vampire. Right. Yeah, and then you he hear his accent,
1: and he's just like, "Hey there, straight. kid. How's it going? It's not, nothing,
2: you know, European, no
1: British accent, nothing weird or put on. The weirdest thing about that guy is his blood red <laughs> scarf that he wears all weathers, all times of day. <laughs> yep. so just like maybe he really likes that scarf." Maybe it has nothing to do with any of his inner desires or anything at all. That's, that's totally fine.
0: Right. I also love that just like the character name, just Jerry. It's just, it just mm-hmm. helps him just feel like he's just a normal dude. He's not a vampire. Like, how many vampires are named Jerry? <laughs> o- only this one.
1: Yeah. I think it's so, just because we've seen Parks and like Rec that Jerry is just
0: the the least <laughs> aggressive yeah.
2: possible name you could give someone. That's good for uh, Rick and Morty too, <laughs>
0: right? So let's talk about the Amy uh, character. So the 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 female lead, where uh, and Rachel, you can go ahead and lead off of this because you mentioned the very obvious nod to to Dracula in the fact that she is uh, they don't completely you know get into a, like into explaining it whether this is a case of reincarnation or you know if we're talking about like a long distant relative but amy resembles a a lover from jerry's long 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 past um which is you know very much mirrors the uh a, a huge you know plot point of of dracula And I have to admit, as much as I'm a huge fan of Dracula, I I didn't even think of that connection.
1: Well, it's probably just because cause we've been doing book club. Cold, I just, I know, a couple so, of know, months ago, read uh, Dracula versus Hitler, oh, which is just as funny did as I it sounds. You mm. Mm. Um, but oh, yeah, you I gotta, I gotta check to out know,
2: that.
1: <laughs> oh, no, that's, it's a great <laughs> it's amount of fun. But kind of it's intelligent enough that you need to have read Dracula to understand the characters of Dracula versus Hitler. Um, so I, I had read Dracula before, but I did a little review right when I realized that it was necessary and then read the book. So now it's kind of all fresh in my mind. Um, but yeah, so when there was a Dracula type character where he had an obvious assistant, which would be the Renfeld, and then there's an older gentleman coming in who has knowledge of supernatural creatures. So that's Ben Helsing, and then there's a, a, a young couple that's kind of ripped apart by the vampire characters. So that's Jonathan Harker and Mina. Like it's it was a very um, easy comparison. Just that my mind automatically went to. I don't know if even they they probably made that. Uh, made that comparison when they were writing the script, but maybe didn't expect everybody to get it. Because I mean, who's read Dracula recently? To be honest, um, you know they they don't go into it in the movie as far as what the connection is. It's just he she reminds him of someone, and, and I think that's fine. I don't
0: think I mean I don't think they need it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, know, you leave like it, it ambiguous and
1: then you know you make your own assumptions but it's just he has a picture yeah, of a so portrait straight, of somebody right? that looks yeah, an awful lot like amy time and time so that yeah. explains How his um uh, attraction to sh- her awesome as a person that, so it's not just that he's seducing anybody willy-nilly so. it's that you know this this girl has a connection for him as well and also it serves his ends to kind of pull her apart from her her boyfriend and you know draw in this kid who might be willing to back off or it run away up. but now he can't because you know, Amy's that's in danger so it it makes more sense. So, right. But yeah, it's um it just so, so that happened that I had all those comparisons just ready to connect in my mind. No, I think pieces.
0: I think they're it's, completely it's, on point. You couldn't run yeah, yeah, delightfully
1: ambiguous, ambiguous is that connection connected. between yeah. um so Amy so and Jerry almost. Um, but yes, it makes it for more of a fun time So I liked it.
0: Well, I think her reaction also to him has some interesting nuances and adds some, some layers and some obstacles for Charlie as the protagonist, because her, it doesn't completely feel like he's just, you know, using his vampire powers to charm her. It's that, but then there's also, I think they have this subtly like suggested sort of, part of that kind of ambiguous connection that she feels it too. I, it yeah. Co- they
2: definitely hint that she's like intrigued by the like mysteriousness and the, the dan- the potential danger. And like the, you know, the, just like, she's, she's, she's incredibly like drawn to the vampire, which you could, I guess, kind of chalk up to potentially like, cause oftentimes vampires are portrayed as having like this charming effect, no matter like who they're around. Right. like doesn't really have that effect with the other people involved in the movie so like yeah it it kind of feels like it's it's much more like she has a desire pulling towards him as well
0: well no see i Uh I would argue that he does though because remember he does like seduce at least a couple different women and kill them but it's it's very (laughs) different because i i I think that there's why my argument that the amy character is is different because with those gals it instantly becomes something sexual and then he kills them where mm-hmm. there's there's more layers to when Amy's you know I, was, I don't even want to say seduced because I don't I don't think she's initially seduced by him. That's like later on. It's like I said, there's there's like a deeper infatuation, I think. Um that is in
1: all shit work. It could be it because like a, she just you know, had that kind of was, yeah. the first scene in the movie where there's, like there's that like sexual misunderstanding between back. her and Charlie, yeah, right. he where she's, you know, ready to go. It was it's hard for her to come to that decision. And sad. then he gets distracted yeah, by some things that he doesn't time time want to talk about. Going to nuke It's going a vampire eating people. And uh, eat then doesn't want to tell her that that's why he's not in the mood all of a sudden. So then she kind of takes that personally. And then she meets this other character who is more maybe uh, confident or um, able to potentially da, 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 da. do things emotionally and sexually for because her that, that Charlie's not prepared to. And I mean. he's, he's interested in her. So he's, he's it's a, he's kind an, of like, he's an older it's,
0: man, he, you know, he's it's a, just bad timing. Yeah. Right. Right. But I, I thought that, um, that uh, Amanda Beers is uh, who plays um, that character. And uh, she's of married with children fame. And I had never really seen her in anything other than Married with Children, which is a very, you know, obviously like classic like sitcom. So this was a, a an interesting thing to see her in because it's a very nuanced role where, you know, she's she's kind of like the, you know, typical like 1980s girl next door starting off and then goes through this really interesting she's pulled in many many directions by the you know the midway point and then becomes a vampire by the end so there's the character development for her is really really extreme um through through the movie more so than than the other characters so i, I just found that character to be intriguing
2: yeah well cuz she's definitely like even though she is drawn in by it in somewhat of her own accord she she has that like resistance to like the idea of becoming a vampire, because like initially she kind of fights. She doesn't like fight so much, but like pushes back against like his initial attempts to to fight her and turn her. And then um,
0: she's very she's pulled in multiple directions for sure.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: So let's talk quickly about the Peter Vincent character, which looping it back to the comparisons to Dracula, he's clearly the Van Helsing of this. But the other thing that I love about that character is to me, I mean, and it has to be just with the name, this has to be an homage to Vincent Price, right? Like, you know, just the kind of like over the top, uh, you know, horror, like horror hour, uh, you know, host and his, his vibe, his costuming it was it was totally totally homage to vincent price and i love that they they basically like mixed those you know those inspirations into into this peter vincent character so he's like he's you know uh like like bad van helsing and, yeah. and bad vincent price <laughs> well let's talk about him because he yes. he plays i an interesting loved guy. that yes
1: Oh God! Once he, they said it name out loud, and I made that like mental connection, yes, I was so stoked. And then I was trying to describe it to Logan. Yes, he's like, "I don't know who Vincent Price is." And I'm like, "Oh well, I, I, no, I can't explain it because I'm too frustrated or flustered." Um. So then I was talking to Debbie about it, and I mentioned that, and she goes, "Oh yeah, okay, okay." Like she was totally got the connection. Yeah, she got the connection. I was able to just say like, "He's like Kmart Vincent Price," and she's like. Okay, cool. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> if you order Vincent Price on Wish.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what I should have said. But yeah, it was um it just made a whole lot of sense for how uh self he was until he realized how out uh, of the actual situation was and then you get all those.
2: Um, yeah, you are right cuz yeah, like it was great. Once he's realized that the vampires like that the kids not making Charlie's not making stuff up that the vampires actually real and he's like oh, no, I can't do this. Like, <laughs> this is way over my head. <laughs>
0: but then I love that he finally rises to the occasion and, oh, yeah. like, you know, uses all his props that, you know, are that were never meant to be anything other than <laughs> film props, and he's just like, let's go. I've got my stakes. I've got my holy water, I've got my cross. Yeah, so I, I he, he played a really, like, fun part in this movie. Um, so before we kind of get, like, final thoughts on this movie and then talk about the Frighteners... We have to talk about Evil Ed. Evil oh, Ed gosh. is the fucking craziest character. That's maybe the one part of this movie that's like, you know, that maybe is a little like off the rails, but I loved it. I was here for Evil Ed. Evil Ed is, uh, is Charlie's best friend, and he is a creepy weirdo well before he turns into a vampire. Um <laughs> man. I, I've never seen that guy. Okay. So the guy that plays him is Stephen Jeffries and let's look at his, his, uh, his credits. Cause I, I've never seen that guy before. Okay. Yeah. Just a ton of B movies. <laughs> that guy is wild though. Let's talk about evil. Ed. Uh,
1: <laughs> where, where to begin. Just so, just so many. Um. Uh. Okay. Longest death scene the absolute <laughs> longest drawn out like <laughs> uh, <gasps> but actually what, I, I thought well
0: acted because he has that kind of like that when he starts to kind of transition out of being a vampire and he realizes he's he's like gonna die there was a there was like a little bit of an emotional quality to his performance that wasn't so right. ridiculous oh, yeah. and over the top
1: Oh yeah. I felt really bad about laughing at it. Yes. Like I was, it was, and then, and then when you realize that like, Oh, you're just going to leave that naked boy's body at the bottom of the staircase, so that's going to turn I mean, out real well for everyone. Well, and then also we should
0: put death scene in air quotes.
2: <laughs> True.
1: Cause they didn't explain that portion
2: either, but. Well, I mean, and then he right. makes
0: an appearance in the end.
2: In the very end. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You got any thoughts on evil Ed Murphy? Yeah, that.
2: I mean, that, I think that's that sums it up pretty well. Like he's he's almost too like crazy of a character to really be able to discuss. Like I don't know how to put him into words. You know,
0: yeah. <laughs> it was just so weirdly written because like clearly, if we're talking about 1980s film tropes, he's like the goofy, nerdy, over the top, silly kind of comedic relief friend, but. Mm-hmm. The way they wrote it and the way that he acted it was like, no, he's just an insane person. Like if, if he's the comedic relief, it's only in how utterly bunkers that that guy is. Oh boy. It was. Yeah. I
1: really doubt that that laugh was written into the script. Oh God. (laughs) You can't, you
0: can't script that bullshit. What if that's his real laugh? Like. They're like, oh, hey, uh, you know, Stephen Jeffries, can you just like maybe tone it down? And you, no way, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, and he,
2: I mean, like he's definitely necessary because he's that guy in the in, you know, he's the somewhat of the trope in the horror movies of the person who makes, makes all the bad decisions that puts the other people into a, a tight spot. And so because totally. he's so resistant to believe the about the vampires and stuff and then he just goes wandering down that dark alleyway when they're like no we should stick together and he's like well i'm gonna go this way because it's faster it's like
0: no what are you doing right and then he also you know embodies the, the the vampire movie trope of the person that is is given the gift of being of eternal life as a vampire <laughs> you know but he's like a vampire if a vampire was a crackhead. Like, <laughs> he's just, he's so so...
2: the last person you want to give give the gift of eternal life
0: to. <laughs> right. yo, Hey, Jerry, if you want to keep the fact that you're a vampire low-key, do not fucking turn Evil Ed into a vampire. <laughs> he's not low-key at all. Oh boy! But he's he the reason
1: why uh, Peter Vincent to took things seriously, yes. or at least had a a, a change uh-huh. of heart. Yes. So that's he's he's a, he's a, a welcome yeah, plot device that they right just the couldn't let him stay right, dead. Apparently, <laughs> and that's. Yeah. That's okay. That That is one because unexplained man, thing that doesn't quite make sense in the plot. We could probably talk about it forever. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm okay with, like, oh, one unexplained was, thing. I mean, he was
0: for sure dead. Yeah, like, they didn't, I, mean, I, I think it was just kind of a fun, like, oh, you know, because it was, that was a trope in the 80s as well, where, like, you have that kind of, like, oh, no, like, this person's not dead yet at the very end, <laughs> and then, okay, you, you cut to credits. I feel like that was the attempt at doing that, but with how, like you said, Rachel, with how brutal... His death scene is like, eh, no, like, like you needed to make it more ambiguous, you know, like, don't. There was no done portion done of done. that yeah. that
1: was off screen. It was all on screen right. all the time figured, like, from his appearance 200. to his untimely demise. We, like we, there was no cutaways it. of any kind. It's yeah. so I, weird.
0: I w- Like I would say that is confirmed death. Easy. Like, <laughs> I, I know vampire, vampires have a healing factor, but. Like that was a table leg like through his chest, right? Yeah. Through his heart. Uh, so let's, let's wrap this up. So as, as you both know, I love to talk about just kind of a rating system out of 10 um, and discuss the IMDB rating system. I really want to know what would both of you give this out of 10 stars? I would say
1: probably That's like, good. um,
0: we're, we're like a
1: seven. Yeah, I was thinking like solid it. seven. Uh-huh. Yeah, like it's it's definitely fun. It's engaging. It's uh, funny. It's um, intelligent. But it's not um, like any sort of uh, pinnacle of film achievement by any metric. But all the elements are definitely solid and good and rewatchable. So, um, yeah, I'd say a seven. But it's not something that like if somebody's looking for, you know, one single horror movie, to watch right. to end all and horror man, movies This is not going to be it 10
2: but, 10 that's, but it's definitely uh, as well Definitely as good and, and well
1: identity. done well, Yeah
2: and the way that The uh, effects uh, hold up And stuff too um, definitely You know kind of adds to A rewatchability to it um, And it's uh, it, I mean like and it's just straight up entertaining Like and, in, and it's a Horror movie that most people Could watch whether or not you like horror Because it's so it's got that dark comedy to it that it, it you know that it's not like it's not gonna sh- turn anybody away um so yeah. right i think solid seven's good
0: i and i would agree with that um and i looks like the IMDb users agree with that as well it's got a 7.1 oh. which um That's weird yeah it feels very accurate and personally I would totally recommend this to somebody, you know, having not ever seen it. Um, I came into it and was so pleasantly surprised. I, I expected it to be a lot more cheesy and in, in a bad way. Um, so, yeah, I, I think this is one that's going to, you know, make it into my maybe not every year around uh, Halloween rotation. But I I would be more than happy to watch this over again because it mm-hmm. was like you said, Murphy, very watchable, very fun. So let's transition into... I think uh, equally another just surprising movie. Let's talk about the Frighteners. So this is one, like I said, uh, we were going to have a different audience choice and this ended up being uh, a substitution. And it, the idea of it kind of intrigued everybody. And this was one that I had very similar to Fright Night where I had heard about it, heard that, Hey, you know, this is like a really underrated movie. And doesn't give it enough love. You got to check it out. And it was on my list. And I was going to just watch it independently. Because I thought. Eh, might be a. Maybe a little. Little too. You know. Weird for the the movie nights. But I'm so, so, so glad. That it got chose. And we ended up watching it. So this is. Pre Lord of the Rings. Peter Jackson output. He was on a, a streak of very strange films his his pre like blockbuster run is is one that is very eclectic and very strange and but i think this is like eclectic and strange in in the best way possible so you've got a peter jackson directed film led by michael j Fox which is, you know, interesting casting. Like, this is well after Back to the Future. This is when he's, you know, um, on Spin City and and becoming more uh, of a television actor again. And this is produced by Robert Zemeckis, who is the director of Back to the Future. And I think I was struck also with, like, this has a lot of kind of borderline fantasy elements.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: it, it almost feels like jackson dipping his toes into like uh, using some fantasy you know tropes because keep in mind in lord of the rings you know there's some really dark like kind of horrific stuff in that um you know obviously it's more high fantasy but this feels like this feels like kind of a stepping stone to to lord of the rings but it's still one of those that when we got done watching it i think uh i was the first one to say yeah, the guy that made Lord of the Rings made that movie because it, it is it is very just kind of crazy and um and it's just such a different type of film, you know, because obviously like much lower budget. So I if I'm thinking I'm remembering this correctly, neither one of you had seen this either coming into this, right?
2: Correct. I had never even heard of it. I had no idea okay. what it was, yeah, no reference. <laughs> yeah, I had I heard, heard of that, it because but, I've yes. um Uh,
1: watched the Lord of the Rings special features on the reg. Um, So they they talk about the fact of of Peter Jackson's background and kind of pulling people from his previous uh, movies to work on Lord of the Rings. So I had heard of it, certainly, but I had no idea that Michael New box was in it. Definitely got it mixed up with something else that he'd done that was in New Zealand. Like I I it was all over the place. So I knew his name was attached to it. But yeah, I was that nerd that when the credits came up and I was like, Oh, Richard Taylor did the the effects. That's the guy from my workshop. Like I was trying to whisper that to Logan and he's like, Shh, could you shut up? I'm trying to watch the movie real quick. <laughs> but yeah, that it was um definitely new, but certainly something that I wanted to see because I wanted to know what like really where his background was.
0: Right, right. So I think another interesting thing about this movie, um, because I had no idea that Robert Zemeckis was the producer on it. I look at this and it's almost like Zemeckis kind of takes on the role of of Steven Spielberg in this, because keep in mind with Back to the Future, he was a unknown, well, not unknown, but fairly unknown, uh, newer director and Spielberg basically loved his script and attached himself to it to kind of like, Hey, this guy's going to be, you know, going to be something I'm I'm going to put my name behind it and give it, you know, bolster it a bit. This feels like Zemeckis doing that for, for Peter Jackson and kind of paying it forward. Um, and, but then also like with that, I feel like there was some Robert Zemeckis influence because if you think of like back to the future he did Forrest Gump. He did who framed, Robert Ra- uh, who, f- who framed Roger Rabbit. There's like some sort of whimsical, fantastical elements to to all of those movies, and I think that's why I, th- I feel like there's a little bit of fantasy in this because it it, it felt a bit whimsical and fantastical, you know, for horror. Would yeah, of you it agree did with feel.
2: That? Yeah, it definitely felt familiar in that way. Um, uh, like, yeah, like, not, not, not like a, oh, I'd see, I've seen this before, but like, uh, oh yeah, this is a similar vibe to, to like, to a lot of movies that I've kind of seen from those, um, directors and producers, so.
1: Yeah, definitely, now really that you mentioned it, like, said the Who Framed Roger so like, Rabbit, I'm that just those just just couple scenes where they're in his unfinished house, and, like, and he's like chatting up, up, up the ghost <laughs> characters, yeah. and you're kind of getting to know their personalities, and they're um, popping out of the floors and the walls and shit, right. and you know, being creepy don't and, 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 and know, like, um, well done special do effects and showcasing that while also uh, kind of showcasing their I characters as well that. and laying so the I groundwork here, but like it's still it's creepy as hell. Nasty so it it definitely rung a bell with you when you said "Who Framed Roger Rabbit." I I don't know those backgrounds, so that definitely made sense.
0: Right. So. Let's talk about Michael J. Fox's character. So Frank is his is his character. He is it's we're not sure how he has developed this this gift at first that gets explained along the way, but he's basically like a paranormal con man where he he does have the ability to see and contact the dead. And instead of <laughs> Using this this you know skill for good, he basically uses it to to con people into. He does kind of like a, a con man exorcism on, on House, and basically like him and his ghosty friends, um, which is a very interesting you know uh, group of, of of characters. They basically you know do these kind of haunting sort of uh, setups, and you know he charges uh, a, a premium, and you know that's that's basically. His, his racket.
2: Yeah, I love that they the ghosts that would go in and, like, initiate the, the thoughts of the haunting would just leave his card. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> thought anything of it. They're like, oh, there's some really weird shit going on. And also, randomly, this card for oh, a paranormal investigator.
0: Weird. Better, better call this guy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and in that regard, like, this movie kind of reminded me of, like, Beetlejuice. Yes, yes. Like, it had that kind of Tim Burton-y sort of it, like it. It was more kind of sp- spooky than it was, you know, scary or horrifying necessarily. Right. Um, and again, you know, if we're talking about that whimsical sort of feel, that you know, uh, I mean, Tim Burton is a master of that, and it it had it had that vibe where you know it's it's kind of it's kind of eccentric, you know, and it's not not downright like gritty and horrific um but you're you're still living in this kind of paranormal supernatural occult sort of uh world and as it goes on it's you know it's revealed that Michael J Fox is he is like the victim of basically this this curse um and that he is kind of down and out because of losing his love in a car accident. And then basically, you know, because of his abilities, he then has to actually use his skills for good. And he goes along like solving this mystery of this, these series of murders in this town. And, uh, so I thought it was really, really interesting because you had Michael J. Fox do what Michael J. Fox is really, really good at where he is, he's charmingly self-deprecating and just very very witty like he's just a great comedic actor but then there was some really interesting I, uh, dramatic points where you know he's he's a very like broken down man that has suffered a lot of of trauma and and a lot of heartache and I think that, it was written in a way that Michael J. Fox could kind of give that character a lot of depth for this type of movie that's, you know, a, a kind of fun and silly in a lot of parts.
2: Mm hmm. Yeah, I definitely like the for how kind of because like. It, it almost seems like a simple movie, but it, it, it's not like it's got a lot of intricacies as far as like the storyline and the way that things are revealed and stuff. And yes. um, it, I mean, like you could probably just watch it and laugh at face value and stuff like that. But it's actually very well developed and, and um, well acted. Yeah. For like in, in all parts, even down to the goofy ass ghosts that just pull pranks all day long. Like, you know, there's <laughs> it's, it's very well done.
0: Yeah, and so, you know, so talking about kind of how it it's very layered and nuanced. So, you know, at the core of this mystery, you have this character uh Patricia Bradley who seemingly is she's like a middle-aged woman that is like living with her mother and her mother's like and, and they have a relationship that seemingly is one of a mother and like a little little girl, um, and you know she's she's seemingly being haunted and everything. And then along the way, um, we, it finds out that we find out that uh, her boyfriend Johnny Bartlett was a serial killer, and uh, his calling card was was leaving these numbers carved into the the head of his victims. And he has not crossed over; he is a ghost, and he is still committing these these murders where he basically. <laughs> Isn't he squeezes the the heart until uh, until they basically go into cardiac arrest? Yeah.
2: That's his move post death, right? Like right, he's, a, right. he's a ghost and yeah, and murdering, yeah, he just uh yeah, makes it look like heart attacks. Yeah, when it's he was a, alive, a, it was harder for him
1: to like punch through the chest cavity so, yeah. and like squeeze somebody's heart. So I think he right. just like knifed people instead. Yeah. And, and then You're and then now right. that he has that yeah. sort of like I can walk through walls, it's like I can walk through your rib cage too. And then he just squish, squish, squish.
0: Right. And and it's it's you know, along the way, it's revealed that, you know, she is she's on this earthly plane and you know, they're still in cahoots and working together. And it's also revealed that, uh, that he killed Michael J Fox's girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And so there's like, wife. like you said, Murphy wife, I'm sorry. Th- yes. Thank you. Um, there's a lot of like interesting twists that are really well executed. And, are very, like you said, intricate for the overall vibe of this movie. Like it, 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 it it feels those sorts of, you know, plot devices feel very much more like a dramatic horror film rather than a kind of comedy fantasy horror film.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Cause I definitely had, when the movie started, I was like, okay, I see where this is going to go. You know, it's going to be this like, you know, goofy paranormal, paranormal investigator who gets, caught doing some you know doing a fake investigation and and hilarity will ensue from here and then some 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 darkness and stuff but no yeah once it started to like the real storyline started to unfold I was just like oh oh they put way more thought into this than I than than I anticipated you know like it uh I liked that the the payoff was great pretty much when the dementors
1: showed up I was like oh oh this is getting real
2: (laughs) How interesting.
1: Games. No, I'm actually like Celebrity creeped out by these things crawling over houses and into buildings. And, uh, was, was it was very effective. Ass,
0: you know. Well, the other thing I, I thematically that I enjoyed is you have this interesting like story of redemption, where the Frank character he his whole arc through this film is one of redemption. But then you have the same thing with uh, with the Ray character, which is basically. The 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 douchebag guy that he meets early on, um, and he dies and leaves his girlfriend Lucy, who then kind of becomes a a love interest of of Frank. Um, And you know, Ray kind of has a redemption sort of arc too, because you know it takes him him dying to kind of find out that like yeah, he was a terrible boyfriend. So he has he has a redemption arc. And it, I, I thought that was a very, like, smartly written, um, you know, plot device. Because like you said, Murphy, I wasn't expecting that. Like, you know, I think it and it maybe didn't even necessarily need that. But I think having added those sorts of redemption stories and kind of this like interesting sort of love story um, in the kind of through the, the center of it. I think made it, it made a better movie.
2: Yeah, I agree. Like it kind of, especially because like, even in, in general, in very well thought through and very well written movies, like a lot of, like, you don't, you don't get a lot of those kind of side character developments, you know, a lot of the character development is happening to the main characters that you're supposed to be focusing on. So that was an, that was a cool little like added tidbit there. And I think it also, because it was kind of creating this like love interest for Frank as well, it made it to where you didn't really connect his wife's death to the story in a major way until it was pretty much given to you. Yes, um, Like, yes. you kind of, you, like, I found myself being like, oh, man, yeah, I forgot, like, that that was a part of things because, like, you're you're distracted by this new love interest.
0: Right, right.
2: See, yes, that's, so that's an example of Peter show. Jackson
1: adding a love interest to a story right. that actually He's enhances the, the story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my Interesting. Oh,
0: shots fired. That's a podcast Underhead for another burn. day. I don't say, get don't me started. I, I will scream
1: for hours about that. So let's just right. put so a pin in that.
0: We will just for the for the for the listeners' uh, context. If you don't know Rachel, um, Rachel is a bit of I would say probably an authority on uh, the Lord of the Rings universe. I, I think That's you're the very most know, You're the most knowledgeable person I, I have met uh, about that universe, about the the books, about the films. Um, have you seen her bookshelves? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm just
1: Google. I don't know the answers, but I know where to find them because they're they're on my goddamn bookshelves. <laughs>
0: I, I would say that you, that like you have a knowledge of Lord of the Rings that would be like uh would be a good equivalent would be like my knowledge of professional wrestling. Yeah, like it's,
1: it's that means it's a deep. lot.
0: It's and deep and fervent. Uh, <laughs> so, um, I want to talk about we talked about practical effects with Fright Night and this film, you know, being basically. 10 years newer it relies a lot more on early cgi but i think i was taken aback by the fact that the cgi was surprisingly good for 1996 um and i thought that it it was a very fun it was a fun grouping of movies to watch because you saw kind of this evolution of horror effects uh, mm-hmm. You know, where it's all super practical makeup. And then this is like hard the other way. You know, there's the ghosts are like fully CGI. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like it's that CGI where, you know, they were they were doing it like on, you know, blue screen and and basically like just having the performance, you know, with the actors together and then, you know, going back in and post it. It wasn't that like. George Lucas in Attack of the Clones like <sighs> you know let let's go hard and everything's digital it yeah. you know it still feels organic because obviously like you know your your background settings and everything are are real places and it it's not all done on on green screen and um, the ghosts
1: were yeah, made-up
0: people, uh, like the, the, yes. that had the
1: makeup on them, blind. and then in post they went in December and put 6th. in the
0: ghostly like, like aura yeah.
1: and effects. Like, like,
0: yeah, like blue blue like, things, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, translucent. Whatever. Yeah,
1: all the the smoke no, and the uki like effects. Man, we did not yeah. talk enough <laughs> about the smoke the machines dog. in. Uh, fright night by there, the way just that they were there,
2: hot boxing there. that house <laughs> but it <laughs> yeah. forgot about the <laughs> oh my <God>. we would <laughs> smoke we would to, <laughs> every, like, every time it. they oh, cut oh, back,
1: back to the house we would just I mean, giggle at house well,
0: I, I think we mentioned i think we mentioned that he part of his power words was that he could be could turn into a vapor yeah
1: yeah. The, uh, yeah yeah we mentioned that
0: and then also it but his I, I guess your house we we maybe downplayed like the fact that like he's like a whole fucking like fog storm. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's not, it's, not it's not a little bit of vapor. It's, it's a lot. Um, yeah. but yeah, you're, this is much more subtle, uh, Murphy, do you have any thoughts on, on the, the CGI? Cause I know that's something that can kind of take people, like take the 2020 viewer out of a film. Like the shitty CGI is like, it's almost, it's the unacceptable to most viewers now.
2: Yeah, I actually kind of got a kick out of it because the, I mean, like, it felt genuine to the, like, the whole feel of the movie, you know? So, like, because it was kind of this, like, weird kind of dark humor goofy thing that, like, the CGI didn't feel like, oh, you're you're ruining the quality of the movie with this, like, kind of, you know, uh, weird way of portraying these things. And I actually really enjoyed the way that they kind of did the classic uh house haunting where the ghosts would like be part of the house and like stretch the walls out and like yeah like when there's one part where like the ghost is like the rug the rug runner and like it's like taking over the rug and like trying to like take over the um i think it's it's fighting with frank or something and, and yeah it's like becoming the rug and like i kind of liked that kind of classic way of showing um hauntings like house hauntings um where was Part of the, the fixtures. Right.
1: Then you I had the that. entirely CG, like, okay. spirit well, that would go in well, and, and right
2: really through good. the rope
1: cage and crush easy people's hearts. Like, yeah, that yeah, was very it's it's um, small, like, or small, small. Like, effect. there were practical yeah, effects yeah, in that, like, it would get on a car I and then the look car look. would have to move like, just and then they'd add in the creature afterwards. But it was still very, like, that whole creature was CG and it still managed to freak me right out. It's not that far. It didn't take me out of that realm at all uh it was i i found that very effective
0: totally so in wrapping this up let's talk again about you know ratings whether you'd recommend this what would you give this out of 10 stars and would you recommend this to somebody else
2: i would recommend it um i enjoyed it enough as kind of like um Kind of like a weird Haunted House Ghostbusters, like, kind of just goofy movie. Um, Ghostbusters is a good
0: comparison, yeah.
2: Yeah. um, That they, uh, like, that I I think it would be worth a watch. I don't know that, like, I, I didn't immediately get done with it and go, like, oh, man, I need to watch this movie again. Um, but I'd definitely be open, like, you know, definitely be willing to watch it again. Um, and especially if it was, like, watching it with a few people that hadn't seen it before. So I think for this one, I'd probably give us, like, a six, six and a half stars, too. Um, like, because, like, again, like, uh, the the effects don't hold up quite as well, even though they're not terrible for, like, the feel of the movie. They just don't, they don't hold up quite as well. Um, and, but uh, But it definitely has, like, some really good aspects to it and and some rewatchability. So I'd say six, six and a half. All right. I'm thinking that my right. answer yeah. is going to be
1: weighted I'm because I'm. Off. I tend to, in my mind, yeah. give a, uh, okay. a larger weight to like. Well, because we should probably watch I this can, if we want to I get an move. idea of where Peter Jackson's but, career has yeah, gone. I and and um, but that's no, just no. That's a I'm, great uh, consideration. That's just because yeah. I'm a big, oh, yeah. big, just, big like, fucking I'm nerd. Big um, and then also that kind of transitional period of the mid '90s where you get the practical effects mixed with CGI and how they complement each other as well. This is a good example of that. We ran. But as far as, and it's a a complex story, it was not something that I completely saw where it was going right from the beginning. Um, But as far as, like, the overall feel of it, I feel like it's it's exactly equal with me as Fright Night. So I'm going to go, like, just a seven. Everything is equally weighed out, and I still really, really enjoyed it. If I didn't give it such weight for the... Directors tie in and the yeah. CG tie in. It would probably we'll be about a, a six point five, but but no, I, I, my answers are are weighted. My um my curve is is uh, skewed. So that's my own fault.
0: Yeah, I you know what I give I uh, gave it a seven as well. Um, it's got a seven point one on IMDb. Um, I, I could totally see where it would like it be. It could sit like at a six as well. Um, I. I just got had a lot of enjoyment out of it. I thought it was just just such a like delightfully quirky movie. And like Rachel mentioned, I do think it is like an important, an important point in Peter Jackson's filmography that I I was completely unaware of. And it's always fun seeing the, the films of a filmmaker before they like broke big. Um, Because a lot of times, you know, those are the ones that don't get remembered. But sometimes there's like some very like very real genius in those where you can see like oh man like this is I, I can see like you know I can see the the guy that made freaking Fellowship of the Ring in this movie uh you know there's little moments of brilliance and so uh, yeah I think in that regard it was fun I I'm a huge huge Michael J Fox fan I love him and I think this was just like such a very strange role for him. Um, but one that well, like had a lot of depth, like we mentioned. So I thought it was just a a very surprising movie because I I wasn't expecting it in in any regard. I wasn't expecting the the plot that it had, and I wasn't expecting that it was a a pretty solid sound movie.
2: Very true. Yeah, with the the. The surprising twists and the the very well thought out storyline, Um yeah, it definitely it deserves a, a decent rating for that. So,
0: sure, you know, and and uh it, it's so interesting because like, ten stars is is very very interesting, and especially how it's weighted on on IMDb, where in terms of an average, the. I can't remember what it currently is at. So the highest ranked film on IMDb is Shawshank Redemption. And it has been for a really, really, really long time. Um, yeah, I'm good with that. Of- it's got a 9.3. So Holy shit. And an, wow. an average, like a 10 doesn't exist. But, but you know, I mean, like I, I look at that, and I'm thinking, well, maybe it shouldn't because where do you go from there?
2: Yeah, is you know. there any movie that is actually, you know, a hundred percent perfect in all ways? Yeah. And what
0: happens when there's a movie that comes out that's like, if I'm comparing the two, like this one's maybe just slightly edging it. Like, so <laughs> I uh, you know, like personally, I love rating these movies. I have a very active IMDB account. Um and uh I I only I only do like nines just because I, I'm always just waiting for Something that, you know, is is a little bit better. But to me, Nine is an excellent movie. Um, So, you know, shoot. There's movies that I think are are really pretty darn good that I would give like a six, you know. And I mean, seven, I think that's a really solid film. But that's just the way that I skew it because um, even movies that I think are like terrible, it's like. I mean, a one like I, I would maybe give that to like just something that's just so You know, I don't I don't even know what I would give a one. (laughs) Like Oh, I know I don't know that something that offended me? I don't know.
1: I I don't even know that I've
2: gotten sorry, go ahead, Rachel. Oh no, I was I had an example
1: of a one I was deeply offended by the Artemis Fowl movie. I've never yeah, seen a movie make Logan so angry mean, and sad at the same time because he's such a, a big fan a of the books that he'd like, she, like she,
0: it was, I haven't seen that, but he talked oh, about it, it was, in band practice no, like, how, how pissed off how he was about it he was,
1: was actively <laughs> like I don't think he was actually angry crying oh God, but he was very close it was just it was so, so bad and I'm not even that big of a fan so yeah, that one was probably the most egregious like, holy shit, what were you doing? sort of
2: movie so, yeah Avatar: The Last Airbender was uh, in that uh, realm for me. I don't know that I would rate hard, it as low hard as one. a one, but I don't know hard, if I, I don't know two. if I go as hard as a one, but like. You know, two, three, somewhere right in that. Uh, oh,
0: I've I given know. some. I've given some threes, and to me, that is a that's a hot piece of trash or a movie that I really did not like. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. I'm so sure. so it, I had a
1: connection with the Aragon novels she, when I was younger. Like I really bits. enjoyed
0: those, it and uh yeah, that movie was the
1: perfect. biggest dumpster fire I've ever paid for to see in like theaters, and, <laughs> <see like> <laughs> and <laughs> it was on my birthday. <laughs> you know, all the fantasy movies come out in December, so I was like, oh, yeah, that was the double disappointment. Oh yeah, no, I. Know, (laughs) I regretted
0: that year a lot. All right. Well, uh, with that, uh, let's wrap it up. Thanks so much for both of you joining me and talking about these movies. Uh, it was, it was fun to kind of, you know, watch and then talk about, I think some movies that a lot of people probably haven't seen. So I'm hoping that, you know, that if the listeners haven't seen these, that they, they go and check them out because I think they're, they're kind of sleeper underrated films. So thanks again for hopping on and joining. Of course. Yeah, anytime. time. All right, you little nerds. That's it. Thanks so much for checking out the episode. And thanks to my two guests. Amanda Murphy and Rachel Herzog for joining me and discussing Fright Night and The Frighteners, two very fun movies that I think are very underrated, and I would highly recommend both of them. I think they're they're sleepers for sure. If you're digging what we're doing here on Nerds of the Opinions, make sure that you are following me on social media at Nerds underscore Opinions on both Twitter and Instagram and Nerds with Opinions on Facebook. Make sure you rate and review this on Apple Podcasts. Really helps me out. If you're on Spotify, just make sure you're following the podcast. That also helps out. And if you feel so inclined, share these episodes with your friends. Thanks so much for checking it out. As always, I am your host, Matt Holbin, and you have been listening to Nerds with Opinions.